Welcome, Power Collectors, to another episode of the Graded Game Podcast. I want to apologize for the lack of content, but I'm at a point now where I just capped off probably the busiest slab week in 30 years. And I've been really, really busy over the last couple of months doing a couple real estate deals, moving and operating the business on Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Tried Mercari, and also, you know, the Heritage Certified Lane Comic Connect Golden, as well as social media on Instagram and Facebook. So I'm imagining like, uh, you know, a dozen platforms right now doing deals and messages on each platform every day. But finally, shipped out a real big chunk including almost a hundred video game slabs mostly wada mostly heritage so finally i can catch my breath and i owe you guys a podcast so here's what i've been thinking about recently and following up the tax episode where one of the irs definitions of a business versus a hobby was do you pivot is how i interpret it do you pivot? A collector doesn't pivot. A collector will be chasing the same NES set for possibly a decade. The same Wii set, if they want to complete it out, every variant. That might take three, four, five years. You don't really pivot. You might dive into a rabbit hole, sealed versus CIB or whatever, uh, regional variants, but you're not going to pivot like you would if you're reselling for profit. Yes. That's what the IRS definition is because the assumption is you're trying to make a profit and the IRS knows that in the business environment, the only constant is change. And the current economic environment, I would say that the biggest, most powerful change I've seen in the graded game market over the last, let's say, three months, we're talking about maybe February, March, April, May of 2022 when the pop reports dropped from WADA games, and there was some stuff missing. We had PS1 and maybe Sega CD and Dreamcast, but other than that, there was no other disc listed on the pop reports other than TurboGrafx-16, which I believe is CD, Sega CD is CD, PS1 is CD. So there's no DVD or or Blu-ray-based technologies on the WADA pop reports, which dropped right at the end of Q1 2022. So I think the biggest topic of conversation, the biggest business decision that people are considering right now, even possibly on the collecting side for power collectors is what is modern? That's the question I've been thinking about for hours and hours and hours for this podcast over the last few months. What is modern before we can get into how to collect modern what consoles what franchises what games what grading companies that all has to trickle down from the primary definition of what is modern to you so today's episode is going to be about answering that question from a couple different angles now if you're new to the channel thank you very much for stopping by my name is hopper i'm here And this podcast is for you, free of charge. There's over 100 episodes to help you navigate and now pivot in the graded video game market. What do we mean by market? Generally, we're talking about heritage and eBay. And generally, the majority of market share is going to be WADA slabs. We do have more than 10 grading companies now and almost 10 auction houses. You can find a list of those on my Facebook pages, Twitter my Patreon, 
there's a lot of resources there if you want to dig down and dive down let's say you know what are the 10 grading companies what are the 10 auction houses we're not going to talk about that today but if you're new to the game you can find that information on my other sites so power collectors on facebook power collectors on patreon if you want to buy me lunch or get some of those links power collectors on twitter and instagram so what is modern the quick answer, the short answer is, I know this kind of sounds like a non-answer, but it depends on who you're asking and when you ask them. That's really the answer to modern. So I just capped off 100 slab week. I've never done 100 slabs in my entire career over 30 years. I opened my first card shop over 30 years ago. If you had asked me what modern was in, let's say, 1991 when I opened my first card shop, after going to Costco, buying a box of hoops for five or 10 bucks, 1990 hoops, that product looked modern to us compared to, let's say, 8678 Fleer, Topps Basketball back in the day, Magic Bird and all that, Michael Jordan. 90 hoops was like a thin cardboard. It kind of had a silver coating. It looked modern. It felt modern, but we never used that word. We never used the word modern in the sports card industry until maybe pandemic as far as globally everybody using it super modern modern and that really had to do with like manufacturers you know i've seen leaf go away i've seen Fleer go away i've seen skybox go away i've seen tops go through bankruptcy and come back i've seen um players a couple other manufacturers even ken golden's man scoreboard ken golden was a manufacturer back in the day we bought we bought cards from ken golden's factory um, scoreboard, those are all gone. Classic, they're all gone. Those manufacturers are all gone, which means you can't really call them modern, right? So, using that as kind of a definition that can play in any era, maybe manufacturing has something to do with it. And the easy answer there is if you can find it on the shelf, it's modern, right? If you can go into Target, Best Buy, and pick up your PS7, 8, 9, 10, your Switch 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, your Xbox Series XYZ, if it's on the shelf, it's modern, right? And why is that modern? It's because that manufacturer is not bankrupt. They're still around. It's not Toys R Us. It's not KB Toys. It's not um, Sega. It's a manufacturer with relationships that go all the way to retail around the world. And that supply chain is up and running in the modern era. What is the modern era? I don't know. Is it 2020s? Is it 2010s? Was it 2000s? For me, in sports cards, I considered 1991 Upper Deck modern because it had foil stamping. It had holograms. It had inserts. It had all these innovations in the sports card industry, but we never use the word modern until we look back when Panini came in and wiped everybody out and swallowed all the licenses. So it's easy to look backwards and say, okay, that was vintage, that was retro, that was modern. But think about a kid today. What if a kid today grew up with PS4? That was his first console. He was six years old, eight years old. He's playing PS4. That's his first console ever. He, he or she. Anywhere around the world. And let's just hypothetically say that Sony, who has the rights for the Blu-ray technology, and this is a big thing you can look up, 
the transition from CDs to DVDs to Blu-rays. It's all about data, and more data you can fit on a disc, the bigger the game can be, right? The bigger the world. Although a lot of them are keys now to online, so we're, we're in a hybrid world right now between digital and physical, but let's just assume this kid is six years old today. He's He grew up on a PS4. For him, modern is PS5. And he's going to come into money in 40 years. In 40 years, he's going to want to drop 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 on PS4 slabs because that's what he grew up with. The first games he's going to buy are going to be PS4 slabs. Are those modern? In 2060, are we going to call PS4 slabs modern? Is he going to call them? Is she going to call them modern? There's only one way to answer that, and it's speculation on the manufacturers that are still in the game today. So I think that's where I want to start. Don't you think Microsoft and all the other companies out there putting out Blu-ray media are tired of paying Sony? What if Sony decided to spin off either the Blu-ray property or the PlayStation what do you call it, a silo business? Um, you know, just bear with me. Economic meltdown in Japan, uh, currency meltdown, printing money hangover. For some reason, Sony says, you know what, we're going to get out of physical gaming. We're going to keep the PlayStation Network, but we're going to spin off Blu-ray, Blu-ray players, hardware, PS, everything physical. And Microsoft comes in and buys it out. So Microsoft now has Xbox and PlayStation. And Sony has become more of a media company, which goes along with Sony Pictures Entertainment, SPE. And by the way, PlayStation follows an under SIE. Um, and the only way to speculate on stuff like this, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical situation. This is freedom of speech. This is my opinion. This is entertainment, a little bit of education today. Let's take a look at Sony's corporate plans, creativity. So I found a bullet point here. Sony Pictures and SIE want to leverage PlayStation game IP in movies and TV shows. For example, Uncharted. That to me has nothing to do with a Blu-ray disc. That to me is production, creativity, Hollywood, digital distribution through the wholesale chain to, you know, theaters which I believe is no longer physical. Um, that to me doesn't really say PS7 discs at Target or Walmart, the two companies that'll probably be around. So let's just search for PlayStation. You could do this. You can just Google Sony strategy, Nintendo strategy, Microsoft strategy, right? And speculate the future. Experiential, experiential technology found in Sony's suite of products, including audiovisual, emotional impact. So they're... Their strategy is emotional impact through visual technology. It doesn't say anything about physical. They're talking about audio, visual, haptic, controllers. Okay, controller, that's good. That's physical, but is the media physical? We don't know. Experience in games, reality, real-time, immersive, VR. All these things they're looking into the future talking about have nothing to do with physical. Funmation, PlayStation Network, anime, games, condo. PlayStation Network, DTC, PlayStation Now Cloud, PlayStation IP, 
Um, Fate Grand Order FGO is a, is a, an example of anime IP. In the PlayStation business, Sony will seek to expand the community. Okay, there it is. That's what they want to do. They want to expand the community. So my conclusion is if the if the community like this future community of people that grew up with their first console as the Switch, Xbox X, S, PS4, 5, if those people keep the physical quote-unquote market or industry alive, maybe Sony will continue with physical. But if that community, if growing that community is about digital growth, creativity, digital distribution, like I've said in prior podcasts, I think there will be a day when we're down to, you know, a thousand physical discs per release. Because I look at Fortnite and uh, Minecraft first prints and 0000s and Nintendo. If you look at the first print runs, they're really short. I can see a day when physicals down to 10,000 discs versus millions as it is, you know, during the quote unquote peak of modern 360 Wii and PS3. I think we're going to see a bell curve where the peak is 360 Wii and PS3 as far as physical total units shipped, mostly the American market, maybe global, and it's going to continue to drop. And we're going to be in a long tail where there's going to be maybe many, many, many people in the game like limited run games, super rare games that are producing, you know, one, two, three, four, five thousand. And a lot of that stuff stays sealed. And if you're talking about the graded game market, it doesn't really have a significant market cap participation at all. I mean, I would say it's way below 1%. If you if you added up all the all the slabs that are PS4, PS5, Switch, if you added up all those slabs on the market today, I'm guessing it would be 1%. You know, I'm guessing NES would be 50% or more because that's where all the seven figures are. And that's how you're going to get chunks of market cap. So there's really only three modern players, right? Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. Two of those companies are conglomerates where gaming kind of happened as an accident, as a side project. You can look up the story of uh, Xbox, which is just fascinating on YouTube. It's a several part series, fascinating development stories of two internal teams that came out of the DirectX software side versus another team that knew gaming but these other guys impressed Bill Gates when they turned on a little prototype, basically, of a game console and it booted up Windows in about, you know, five seconds or something versus three minutes during the time. And Bill Gates signed off immediately when his eyes went wide open and he said, turn that off and on again. He didn't really care about the games. He didn't care about creativity, IPs. All he cared about was that machine booted up fast. And that was a first gen console in America. Sony, on the other hand, fell in the gaming through an argument with Nintendo when they tried to create a peripheral when discs came on. Some people call that modern. I call that modern. PS1 to me is, is modern. CD, Sega CD, Dreamcast, that's all modern for me because I'm an old fart. I'm 55. I'm a senior citizen. So it depends on who you ask. So I think these three players are strong enough to stand on their own. But if you look at the gaming divisions inside Microsoft and play, uh, Sony, I would say that those could be spun off as independent companies. PlayStation could be spun off or sold. 
Xbox could be spun off, spun off or sold. And anything like that, a, a property, a big IP, you know, such as Microsoft Office or uh, in our industry, you know, something like a Comic Connect for Metropolis versus a certified link, you know, you can spin off things just like Collector's Universe taking WADA on as a division, whereas it used to be a company. So you can never say that there's no chance of PlayStation or Xbox becoming something else or under another umbrella. With that in mind, that implies, if that assumption, if you're on the same page with me, that assumption, if that happens someday, there will be a day when Xbox or PlayStation could become retro or vintage, if you look out a thousand years, if they are no longer um, creating physical products in the retail marketplace in America is what I'm going to use for now. Because if it's not selling in America, it's probably going to be pulled from the shelves and shut down. Um, that's where NES dropped first. And I'm sure it's going to happen last in America. When people decide to stop producing physical, it's going to be when the American consumer decides, you know what? I'm not going to buy physical anymore. I'm going to go with one of these online subscription services or whatever um, with the manufacturers or publishers. So when you look at the strategy over at Microsoft, it's very different than Sony. Sony's focused on entertainment, right? Microsoft is focused on business. It's all about office, commercial, consumer, LinkedIn, dynamics, business processes, solutions, clouds, apps, software, ERM, CRM. It's not the same feel at all compared to Sony. Sony is entertainment, more like a Disney, I guess, which is what Nintendo wants to be. Versus Microsoft, which is running separate silos of profitable businesses. Um, you know, if they're going to spin something off, they would rather spin off Xbox as opposed to Windows. They would never give up Windows, right? So the only thing I can find on gaming in the segment information at Microsoft.com under investment relations is it's all the way at the bottom. It's the last bullet point starting with Office, Commercial, Consumer, LinkedIn, Server Products, Enterprise. By the way, um, over the last several years, Amazon and Microsoft have been making all their profits um, renting out and services in the cloud. So basically selling to businesses, selling services and, and technology to businesses. So that's, you know, that's the focus is business to business. All the way at the bottom, there's only one bullet point below gaming and it's search and news advertising. So I guess that means Bing. To me, that means Bing doesn't bring in much. I think they have maybe double or single digit market share in search. But the bullet point above that, let's read it. Gaming, including Xbox hardware and Xbox content and Xbox services. Comprising of digital transactions, not physical, Xbox Game Pass, not physical, other subscriptions, not physical, video games, somewhat physical, third-party video game royalties, well, that could be physical residual passive income, cloud services, that's not physical, advertising, not physical. So when you look at the segment of Xbox at Microsoft strategy and investor relations, you can tell that the majority of the gaming segment is not physical. 
So, you know, if this great recession happens and we go back into the Great Depression, like a lot of YouTubers have been saying, um, big companies will cut segments. That happens all the time. It happened in the great pandemic. It happened in the great recession. It happened after 9-11. It happened in the 70s. It happens every eight or 10 years. You'll see a slaughterhouse of segments getting cut, sold, spun off, spun out. And if you're a Microsoft executive, what are you going to look at first? You're going to look at the bottom bullet points. Um, I don't even know if you could sell Bing, but you damn well could sell the Xbox segment. And if that happens, that determines the future of modern versus vintage versus retro Xbox, right? Again, it depends on who you talk to and when you ask that question. Are you talking about a kid that's five right now and you're asking this question in, in 10 years? Like Jay, one of my listeners, he wanted me to come up with a 10 to 20 year investment plan of 40 positions. Very hard to determine. We really need to answer the question, what is modern? Now let's look at Nintendo. Nintendo is really the only pure play gaming company. They were making cards, you know, over a century ago. They've been gaming longer than anyone else. Nintendo's mission is to put smiles on the faces of everyone we touch. How about that? First sentence, very different. They want to touch fans, consumers, um, this is very different. This is kind of like Disneyland. And I get the feeling that Nintendo has a chip on its shoulder. And that's really who they're looking up to. And when you think about Disney, you think about Disneyland. You think about touching characters, franchises, IP with smiles on your face, forgetting the whole, you know, forgetting the whole world for a day, going into a magical world. And that's what it's all about, playing cards with your friends, playing poker. You're forgetting about the day-to-day -day life. Buying games, selling games, hunting for games, auctions. We're forgetting about the day-to-day -day life. We got smiles on our faces doing this, right? It sounds like to me that Nintendo has been physical from the get-go, and they are still physical, and they're going to be going physical. And the medium for them is video games and entertainment. They don't break it down and get granular like Sony and Microsoft. It's simple. It's faces, it's touch it physical, it's entertainment, and it's video games. It's simple. So I would think that you would be able to call a Nintendo product modern forever because I don't think someone's going to buy out Nintendo. Um, it could happen. They are a publicly traded company, I do believe. You could theoretically take them over like, uh, you know, Elon Musk tried to take over Twitter in 2022. I guess that's possible. Um, what's the market capitalization of Nintendo? Let's check that. Just to get an idea, you know, we, we had our first trillion dollar companies during the pandemic, but uh, Nintendo has an eight, so 7.43 trillion Japanese yen. Not really sure what that is. That might be 7 billion or 700 it couldn't be 700 billion it's not a trillion dollar company if it is 7 billion or actually much less because the yen is weak right now okay here's may 22 we got a website that says 50 okay let's just call it 50 billion in in the first half so it's a 50 billion dollar company it's tiny right it's tiny 
we can't really compare Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo as a whole. But maybe these gaming segments are 50 to $100 billion, which is nothing compared to a trillion-dollar company like Google, Apple, Microsoft, etc. These are really small companies. So I'm not going to say never, 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 but if the people leading Nintendo and the investors never agree to sell out, Nintendo is always going to have modern products on the shelf in terms of physical gaming. I mean, at least accessories and controllers, right? Because even if you go fully digital, you're still going to have to have controllers. And I just see controllers from NWC making their way into the heritage market. So, you know, that's another thing. What is physical? We're going to have to have a podcast about that. Is physical physical media? Is physical consoles? Physical accessories? Is it going to be signage? Where do you draw the line on physical? And when are we going to draw the line between the physical age and the digital age? I think we might see it in our lifetime. So I'm comforted by reading Nintendo's website. They're really friendly. Um, It says they were established in 1980 in Redmond, Washington. That's on my Instagram. If you want to see pictures of that place, it's really cool. And they call themselves a family. So it it sounds like a really um, small business mentality. And, And a small business mentality is not really go to Wall Street, do the IPO and sell out. You don't want to sell out. You're doing this for the pleasure of your customers. 1980, Game & Watch, TM, product line started. Awesome. Um, Donkey Kong, 81, NES, 85. There's a little timeline on the Nintendo site. Mario Bros, 85, Link, Zelda, 86, Game Boy, 89. I mean, look at these innovations. SNES, 91, Game Boy Color, 98, DS, 2004. I mean, they're just doing it. Every few years, they're launching something incredible. Which brings me to consoles. And I think this is probably where traditionally we are trying to answer the question, what is modern, right? So from a manufacturer perspective, it's going to be the manufacturer in the game today or when you ask the question and if those products are on the shelf in terms of physical media. Consoles is a different story because you can still go buy a PS1 console brand new. You could open that up and play it. You could throw it in a VGA case. That doesn't mean that it's modern or retro or vintage. So there's nine generations, according to Wikipedia. You can look at this up, home video game console generations. In the beginning, I do believe this was based on the CPU technology. So we're talking about hardware. And that's the central processing unit, the brain inside the hardware. In the beginning, this was borrowed from the PC industry. And most of this stuff was like the 6502 chip. And everybody shared it from Atari to PCs to Commodore 64s to whatever. And I believe the first generation started, according to this, at 72. So looking back, there's no argument that's going to be vintage, right? And they say that goes up through 80. I'm not going to go into gold and silver bronze age, which gets really complicated because it depends on who you are, when you grew up, and when you ask the question. Because in my mind, there are going to be people collecting WADA, BGA, etc. in 2100, in 3000. I am a bull as far as the medium. Video game media 
and the medium of entertainment through gaming. To me, everything is gaming, whether it's going to Las Vegas, playing poker online, a video game. It's all gaming. And to me, that's the most ubiquitous entertainment medium we've ever had in the history of mankind. So compared to other mediums such as painting or collecting coins or stamps, um, I just don't see a comparison in terms of the number of people and the number of hours invested in the medium. Even movies. I heard the argument against VHS that said, yeah, you spend two or three hours researching and watching the movie. You talk about it for an hour and then you forget about it. So you have five hours invested in a movie, maybe 10 or 20 in a franchise. How many hours have you invested in a gaming franchise? Hundreds? Thousand? Maybe sports is probably the only other entertainment medium I think that could surpass movies, music, and video gaming in terms of number of people and hours invested. Maybe even money, it's hard to say. And that probably is the best evidence to inflate a sports card bubble is that we invest lifetimes into sports as entertainment from young kids all the way to, you know, players becoming coaches and then owners of teams. I'm watching the uh, Showtime drama on HBO about the Lakers. I just love that drama, even though it's, you know, there's a lot of fake in it. It's a really fun tale of entrepreneurship in the sports entertainment world. And to me, that's really exciting because of so many variables, speculation, pivoting, and all the stuff that we do in this hobby. That's exactly what they do at the front office in a sports franchise. So, you know, I'm, I'm more of a bull in video games because we haven't gotten that big yet, but I do see the number of people on the planet on the future of the planet and investing hours and hours and hours into this medium at least as much as sports and um, to me that just prevents prevent uh presents tremendous upside to the whole hobby as a whole because uh the more people you have involved and the more the more time you basically spent as a kid building up nostalgia the stronger ties and passion you're going to have in that hobby and i was wrong about going historical it hasn't happened we're still stuck in nostalgia we're still stuck in a market of i'm gonna go for a game that i grew up with we have moved to a place now in modern to where people are buying games they didn't play in the same franchises that they played as a kid so the the franchise is powered by nostalgia but the actual purchase is powered by a little bit of fomo in modern and that's why this podcast is so important because this is the biggest sector shift or pivot i've seen in the high-end graded community in a while i mean we did have a little shift to pc for a second there in sports but it wasn't sustainable. I think modern is going to be the definition that makes the hobby sustainable for everybody from grading houses 
to auction houses to new blood, young people that come in that only have $300. They only have $500. They only have access to one game shop or one target. They live somewhere where there's only a Walmart and that's all they can access physically to try to go find a 9-8 in the wild. Maybe they don't have garage sailing. Maybe they don't have pawn shops and retro shops. Maybe they don't have conventions. That's why I really love modern is because of new blood. But I do believe that franchises is something we can also talk about. But let's do that after we talk generation. So first generation, we're going to call that vintage ended in 80. So you got the Odyssey, Pong. I don't consider that a console, but you got the Odyssey and and that's about it. The Coleco Telstar TV. I don't know anybody that played that. You got the Odyssey, first gen, second gen, up through 92. Fairchild, 2600 in television, blah, blah, blah. 5200, 2600, 5200, same deal. Do you consider that vintage or retro? I think it depends on who you talk to. I think a kid would say that's completely retro, completely vintage. For me, that's vintage. And I'm 55. So vintage goes through 92? You know, it really depends on who you talk to and when they grew up. Third gen. Now it's going to start getting into the gray zone. Third gen. NES Fami Master 7800. That goes through 2003. I mean, that is crazy long. The dates, I don't know where they're getting these dates. It's just absurd that 2003 is the end of the retro era i think we can safely say that's retro so fami 83 sms 85 7886 then you got your fourth gen at 87 so we're past the mid 80s you got turbo graphics pc engine 87 mega drive 88 neo geo 90 fami 90 then you got your cds so here's Here's really the gray area. The gray area to me, I was going to talk about. I was going to do a whole section on software, but I think we're going to stick with manufacturers, generations, and then franchises. But that's something to keep in mind is the actual physical medium if you're talking about video games. So is it cartridge based? Is it CD based, DVD based, Blu-ray based or something else like the Switch? The Switch is modern today, but it's cartridge technology. So that doesn't always work. So I'm glad I kind of cut that out of the podcast. But I want to mention it because here we are at fourth gen. We're in the late 80s, early 90s, and we have Sega CD, CDI, Neo Geo CD, Turbo Graphics. I believe all these are CD-based. For me, at 55, looking back, those are modern. For me... Turbo Graphics is modern, but I'm an old man. So we're getting into the gray zone here. It's like late 80s, early 90s, if we're going to use a calendar. If we're going to use technology, we're talking about basically disc versus old school cartridge. If we're talking about manufacturers, all these manufacturers are pretty much gone except Nintendo. And for the fourth gen, you've got the SNES. Fifth gen. We're coming into the super gray zone, right? Is this retro or modern? Atari Jaguar? 
I'm going to say is not modern because Atari is gone, even though the company got bought out in terms of naming rights and they brought out another console. To me, Atari is gone as far as the original 2600, 5200, 7800 companies. Even those companies were different Ataris. Sega is definitely gone. Sure, there's the recent built-in little tiny consoles, but generally using the manufacturing rule combined with the generations, you could say, well, you know, the Jaguar is not modern. The Amiga CD, not modern. Um, I guess PS1 is really the tricky one because PlayStation's still around. It's a CD disc-based technology. It was revolutionary. It was definitely modern at the time. It was the GOAT. They sold over 100 million units. Um, you know, it's revolutionary. The manufacturer is still putting out stuff. Let me ask you, hardcore collectors. Does Sony make, or other manufacturers make, PlayStation 1 anything today? Peripherals, accessories, um, controllers. Does anybody make that stuff? That, to me, would push it modern. But I heard someone say in Clubhouse the other day, no, 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 PS1 is vintage, retro. PS2 on is modern. So again, it depends on who you talk to. The other uh, argument is they dropped PS1 on the Wado, you know, recent pop report. And then the following announcement was we're going to release modern pop reports later. So Wada internally does not consider PS1 modern along with TurboGrafx, Sega CD, etc. So I'm just a crazy old man. I'm I'm way off. But we're in fifth generation. I mean, we're talking five generations before we even get to modern. So maybe even six. If you're a young kid looking back, you're going to look at all this and say, oh, that's vintage. That's retro. Oh, that's Sega CD. That's so old. You know, you're not even going to touch it. I know uh, one of the biggest people in our hobby right now on Facebook. He um, collects 360. Uh, there's a couple people on on Facebook collecting 360 Tristan and another guy, they're heavy hitters. They've got, you know, hundred slabs. And I asked him point blank, are you going to ever buy a cardboard game? And he said, probably not. I'm sticking with the games I grew up with and maybe some older games. My older brother grew up with. He grew up with 360. He, he also buys a few OG Xbox. So for him, retro is OG Xbox. Modern is what he grew up with 360. So it depends on who you talk to. But I think overall, this gray zone from 4th, 5th, and 6th is really where you're going to have to make your own personal decision. You're going to have to think to yourself, when and where am I going to sell my game? Who's going to buy my game? Are they going to consider my game retro, modern, or vintage? And if it is vintage, how are they going to want that game in 8 years or whenever you're going to sell your collection, Jay? something legitimate worth it to invest in if they have no nostalgic emotional connection to that game at all right like chrono trigger is that something that can pull on heartstrings in 2060 i don't know i don't know if that's still alive i know there's a community that's die hard awesome game rpgs you know i love rpgs i love ultima i love zelda but i never played chrono trigger can that survive the transition to a super modern future hobby when we look back and look at that as vintage, not retro anymore, right? 
So I think those are the things to think about. You got to think about manufacturers, generations, technology, and where you're going to exit your position. Are you going to sell that on Heritage to the older crowd? Are you selling it on Facebook or Insta to a younger crowd? Are you going to put it on eBay to the global crowd? You know, what did they grow up with? Everything they grew up with in Europe was two or three years later than us. So their vintage and modern is going to be a few years off. And then you go back to Japan, they're earlier, right? I mean, to me, Famicom Disc, which I recently bought, sure, it looks retro. But when I look at the technology, that was so revolutionary. That, to me, led to Nintendo reaching out to Sony and developing the failed PlayStation joint venture, which became an argument and divorce that led to PlayStation becoming one of the most valuable properties that Sony developed ever. Sixth gen, Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, Xbox. So here I think we're talking modern, but again, in the hobby today, people are saying this is vintage, retro. Um, PS2 to me is not retro. It is modern. Um, Dreamcast, that can't be modern because Sega is no longer around. In my definition for this podcast today, this is my opinion, freedom of speech. This will change over time depending on where the hobby evolves. I'm just giving my opinion in early 2022. GameCube to me feels retro. Xbox to me can't be modern because it's Microsoft's first console and they're currently on the market. So that is another thing we can use for the definition. If you have a manufacturer that came late in the game, you can't say their first console's modern um, if you're thinking long run. If you're thinking this manufacturer is going to produce three, four, five, six, seven generations of hardware and software, you can't say the first one's modern even if they come into the game late. And I look at the Xbox and it doesn't look vintage, but it definitely looks retro. So we're also having aesthetics play a role on the hardware. Seventh gen, I think nobody's going to argue. This is modern. We're at DVDs and Blu-rays. I'm going to use this as a cover image. To me, I'm using this as the top of the bell curve in terms of market share of quote-unquote modern slabs 200 let's say 207 over 270 million units shipped for xbox 360 ps3 and wii i think that is the top of the bell curve yes we had 250 60 70 we had 270 million units shipped for wii u switch ps4 and xbox one i don't know if i would throw wii u and nintendo switch in the same generation but i guess wikipedia is going with probably the cpu i would argue that wii u and switch are different generations and if you add wii u to the prior generation that would bump those numbers so it's not that the top of the bell curve is units shipped raw what i'm talking about is collectible games that are going to end up in a slab by the time we get to you know Star Trek, we're, we're off world and, and people are bringing slabs on their spaceship to show an alien in another galaxy. This is a piece of Earth art. This is what humans did back in the day. We played games, right? And here's an example. And if you think that far out, something like a Wii U might be vintage. 
but today I'm going to use 7th gen as the bell curve top. So everything before that is either retro or vintage, or if you're younger, you would call that probably just vintage. If you're older, you might bring modern back to maybe one, one or two generations. I don't know. Depends on what you grew up with. Then we've got 8th and 9th, which is current. Um, what can we say about those? I can't say much because I can't see how many physical disc units were shipped. And that's probably the curve that really matters. And I'm sorry I didn't do that research, but we need to look at the bell curve of discs, period. And then break that bell curve down into CD, DVD versus Blu-ray. By the way, 4K, 8K, that's all Blu-ray. It's the same technology as far as I'm concerned. It's a higher density disc. So, you know, you could you could break disc down into vintage, retro, and modern looking back from Star Trek days and three, five thousand years from now and say CD was vintage, DVD was retro, and Blu-ray was modern, assuming Blu-ray goes away. And we're going to end up with Nintendo Switch cartridges, nobody else producing discs, and online services like Netflix. Let's look at the movie industry. What did that become? Basically, limited releases, Blu-ray releases. They still make DVDs today, though. So that gives me some hope. Believe it or not, I've resold quite a bit of movie uh, discs over the years, probably 12 years now. We've sold hundreds and hundreds of brand new sealed DVDs, Blu-rays, TV shows, movies, and a ton of steelbooks. There is demand for physical collectibles in the movie industry, regardless of what the mainstream media says about Netflix, Disney, Paramount. I'm, I'm subscribed to four of them right now. I just joined Paramount to watch Star Trek, love Strange New Worlds, like the, you know, the old 70s format I grew up with. I love that show, but I'm pissed off I have to join four services. You know, I'm I'm okay with buying a brand new DVD with 12 episodes for the season, pop it in, binge watch it, and then resell the DVD. And I'm in and out of the thing for five bucks. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses with the um with the the transition from physical to digital. So now that we went over grading companies, manufacturers, hardware technology. I think the last definition I want to use for what is modern comes down to franchises. And you can Google list of the best-selling video game franchises. This is the basis of Jay's episode that I'm still working on. A top 40, a Dow Jones, whatever. The 40 positions you want to have in your portfolio if you're in this for the long haul, 5, 10, 20 years. Very hard to decide on that. You know, Do I break that down by console? Do I break that down by heavy hitters? Do I break that down by... Rarity, scarcity, do I break that down by we got to have one-third vintage, one-third retro, one-third modern? It's very difficult. I'm sorry, Jay, I can't get that out. It's just too complicated because I'm not a fortune teller. I have to go with what I see now and speculate based on what has come before in terms of history. We're talking 72 through 22. So we're talking 50 years of data. That's what we're talking about, Jay. We have no idea where this is going if we go digital. It's going to go to a place probably nobody can predict. We don't know which games are going to be collectible on physical media after that kid never touched a physical piece of media as he grew up. 
He just plugged into internet and did all his gaming like Stadia or whatever. We don't know what he's going to want to gravitate towards. I know the guy that grew up with 360 will not buy cardboard. He has no interest in cardboard. He'd rather buy another 360 game or a higher grade or a variant that he doesn't have of a 360 title. The one thing that he does do and we all do and I do and you do and he does is franchises. We are starting to collect franchises. I just sold a Hulk to someone. He wanted both Hulks. There's Incredible Hulk. There's The Hulk. There's Ultimate Destruction Hulk. I think franchises is what we should end with. And I think this is important because we can't predict what's going to happen to physical. We don't know what's going to happen to print runs, variants, mediums, media, technology, hardware, software, peripherals. We don't know anything about what's going to happen. But I guarantee you, there's going to be a Mario Bros. controller at Target in 100 years probably, right? Or a backpack or something. That's what Nintendo's talking about. That's what Sony's talking about. That's what Disney did early. And I think they're the blueprint. It's about the characters, the stories, and the worlds. How does that translate to video games? Franchises. So you look that up. And it's all based on how many million copies are produced. And I think the easy answer to what is modern is it's a franchise that is alive and well, right? If it's alive and well, and it just came out, it's probably modern. If it's the newest Super Mario game on a physical medium, it's probably modern, right? If it's Sonic, I don't know. It kind of depends on who has the property at the time. Sonic the Hedgehog, 145 million shipped. Um, If you say Sonic, it doesn't sound modern, but if you're collecting the Wii... Mario versus Sonic in 9.8, maybe that's modern, depending on who you are. So as you look out and you're thinking, okay, I want to do this for 10 years. I want to build a portfolio. I want to do 30% modern, 70% vintage and retro. So, you know, 70 of that, I want to do half cardboard, half disc. Then you have to cut the disc up into retro versus modern. You're going to have to go to the franchises because to play this safe, rather than going for like, a, like I mentioned, Chrono Trigger, you might want to go for a Zelda. If you decide, well, I want 10% of my portfolio to be RPGs. For me, you know, I wouldn't want to go to Ultima, even though I grew up with that. I love floppy disk. I want to collect cassette tape. If I'm thinking in terms of selling my collection in five or 10 years, all at once for a million dollars or something, life-changing money, I might want to think about kids that are growing up beyond Minecraft and Fortnite. Kids that might be five, six right now. Talk to talk to your kids. Talk to your grandkids. What franchises do they know? Do they know Call of Duty? You know, do they know Sonic? Do they know The Sims? They probably know Lego. You know, I just saw a Star Wars Lego go off for the first time at Heritage. And someone said, ooh, you know, someone really gravitated towards that because they understand the power of an IP. Lego will always stay modern. 
Mario will always stay modern. Pokemon will always release a new card set, probably a video game, and stay modern. Grand Theft Auto will probably have a modern release every couple of, every cycle. These games that people have been collecting, Assassin's Creed, Star Wars Lego. Um, let's see if there's any others. Like Halo. Halo's going to keep going forever. Mortal Kombat's on here. I don't know about recent Mortal. Borderlands is on here. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is probably the modern game, looking back post-pandemic. This is the game that took Nintendo to another stratosphere as far as a gaming company. They became a media IP company thanks to Animal Crossing funding the development of Super Nintendo Worlds at Universal Studios in Japan, coming to Shanghai, Disney World in Florida, and Hollywood's Disneyland. I mean, thanks to Animal Crossing, the pandemic turned into a wet dream for Nintendo's investors and um, the company as a global entertainment company as opposed to a gaming company. It was Animal Crossing. The question now is, do you buy the first print Switch Animal Crossing in VGA 100? Or do you buy the first print GameCube Animal Crossing on GameCube? And again, what is modern? It depends on the buyer. Try to get in the head of the buyer. How old is the buyer? And when are you going to be trading that or selling that or auctioning or consigning that to a potential buyer? So I think um, we'll just end it on Animal Crossing, which is way down the list, but it's on the list. You can get that list, Street Fighter, Pac-Man, Kirby. It's all on there. List of best-selling video game franchises. This is the list I started off for Jay's episode about the top 40 best video games of all time, best-selling video games. The assumption is the more copies that sell, the more people that love it, the assumption is that means it's a great game, right? It's basically voting with the wallet. And I think that's why American uh, releases in NTSC dominate the market is because the American wallet is the most powerful business influencer in the world. If you can't sustain American consumers, your product probably isn't great. It might be good. It might be pretty good. But if you can't sustain the American consumer over time with a franchise, chances are you're either like a one-hit wonder, um, you're a flash in the pan, you're a fad, you know, pogs, Stuff like bubbles, Pokemon bubbles, sports card bubbles, etc., etc., etc. And during those times, you're going to see stuff like either Panini coming in and wiping out the American industry of sports cards, or something like a Carl Jobs coming in, leading to anger, maybe jealousy, and you see people trying to tear down a hobby because, um, it's the haves versus the have-nots. So the conclusion is it depends on who you're talking to. It depends on who you're serving. It depends on who you're going to be selling your games to. And I hate to say it, but the long answer is we don't know what modern is in three, five, or ten years. Today, May 22nd, 
I think you can basically go with the fast and easy rule of DVD and up. So, uh, you know, GameCube was a mini disc, PSP was a mini disc, CDI, Turbo Graphics, PS1, that's all CD. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bend my rules for you guys. I know you guys are in your 30s and 40s and you didn't grow up with cassette tapes like me. I'll agree with you that PS1 could be considered retro and Sega CD and, and Turbo Graphics, etc. So we can just use that rough rule and say that DVD and up is modern. And then I'll leave you with this question. What is super modern? Because that's what happened in sports cards after modern came out. And by the way, we never used the word modern throughout the 90s and 2000s. Grading came out in early 2000s. It took, what, 30 years after I entered the sports card game before I even came across the term modern? We had the term vintage back in the day in the 90s. We used that for 50s and 60s baseball cards primarily. But we never used the term retro. So this is going to change over time. But today, looking back, I guess we could say DVD is modern. Everything before that's retro vintage. And then super modern is probably going to be the stuff in the store right now. So if you're listening to this in 2023, 2024, 2025, and there's a platform out there beyond the Switch, Xbox X, and PS5, that would probably be super modern. So try something new. Try investing in modern and look at your manufacturers, your generations of consoles, and most importantly, your best-selling video game franchises to kind of speculate, get into the head of these future kids coming up that are the future and lifeblood of this hobby if we want to continue to grow. Thank you for listening and have a great week bidding on all the auctions.